let's be honest. Like, if you're if you're looking to do that, what better organization with stability and structures to support <laughs> players than the the Mazungus? So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Uh, we have a bit of a review of free agency, all the movers and shakers, who's still out there, who the big contracts went to, and a few things like that. So hi, we got Connor here, and we've got Ronan. Hello. How are you getting on, Chamonix Crack? Yeah, getting on pretty well. Just uh, enjoying some actual good weather after what was the worst weekend ever. Uh, and yeah, just been keeping busy over the last few weeks, working away. Was at uh, Marcus's uh, engagement party there on Saturday, so it's been pretty quiet, but uh, pretty nice as well. Ah, excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, in Dublin tipping away, had my handed back my house uh, as I am now in the final stages of the move over to Iraq to join the missus, which will be good fun. Um, so yeah, I'm living out with the auntie uh, at the moment for the next four weeks, uh, and I'm coming down to see yourselves tomorrow night, so that should be fun. We've got uh, a fun weekend of sports, wrestling, and uh, the Franwell Beer Festival to attend, so shaping up to be a fun weekend. <laughs> yeah, but wrestling is sport, Connor. You know, like it is. It's no, it's it's sports entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That, all that, that big debate when Becky Lynch won it, won the uh, women's yeah. title, and people were like, "Oh, what are you congratulating for?" Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's uh, it's fun to see. Like, just just let people enjoy what they enjoy and leave them yeah. to it. I think is generally it's generally like, yeah. It's half winning a sports uh, title. It's half winning like an acting title. It's like yeah, like the Oscars are probably considered pretty prestigious as i is like winning the super bowl they're both yeah. pretty prestigious things so really what you're saying is it's a super oscar yeah pretty much <laughs> uh, um so i suppose we should probably jump into it we have lots of bits to get on because it's been a few weeks since we were talking to everyone a uh, couple of the big news stories since we we're last speaking uh so we'll start with uh, new england tight end rob gronkowski has decided to retire after nine seasons uh he's presumptive future hall of famer uh Insane measurables, great skills and ability, but was hampered somewhat by uh, injuries down the back stretch of his career. His final stats were 522 catches, 7,861 yards, and 79 touchdowns. He went to five Pro Bowls, four first-team All-Pros, and has three Super Bowl rings. Um, yeah, like uh, he he gained five Pro Bowl berths. I don't think he went to that many of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he went to all the. Although it depends. Like he seems like the kind of guy who just be like, "Fuck it, yeah, I'm gonna go party in Miami or Hawaii or wherever it was that time," you know. Um, but yeah, he was he was let's be honest, utterly dominant whenever he was at his heights. But had been caught out a little bit with the injury bug of late, and then had this weird combo of you couldn't tell if he was injured because they were just going to use him for blocking only for for a week, and then the following week he'd have seven catches. So it's a. Uh, it was great, but it does leave New England in somewhat of a sticky spot now with their receiving core. They don't have much on the go uh, outside of Julian Edelman. They have added Austin Safarian Jenkins and the still presumably slowly moving corpse of Demarius Thomas, uh, ex of the Denver Broncos and then the Texans, who is, I believe, just coming off another Achilles tear. Um, yeah, it's a hell of a career for him, though, isn't it? Yeah, like I think it's 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 one of those situations where you look at a player and you ask yourself, like, who changed the position? And I think like there's there's been some kind of debate over whether Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end ever, or whether it should go uh, to like previous people like Tony Gonzalez. Mm. Uh, and I think yeah, like the longevity thing is maybe a point, but I think there's no arguing that Rob Gronkowski's combination of being a great blocker, which is just something that was true throughout his entire career, but his ability to basically change the entire field. And it's no surprise and no coincidence that the turnaround for the New England Patriots after not having a winning at Super Bowl um, in many, many years, albeit with the, 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 the New York Giants games mm -hmm. in between, that that happened to coincide with New England Patriots going to the next level. Of course, initially with the double, like the two tight end sets with him and Hernandez, but then laterally he basically became the first, like the number one receiver for Tom Brady. And when yeah. he was at his prime, he was completely uncoverable. And, it did, and like in actuality, uh, Rob Kronkowski is probably one of the biggest reasons that we have this change in the game where there's more emphasis on defensive backs, more emphasis in trying to find these hybrid players between the linebacker and safety spot who are physical enough to stop someone like Rob Kronkowski but still have the coverage skills to, you know, or to be physical with him, but also the safety skills to be able to cover him. And I think when 
things are said, he's obviously going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think in terms of just raw talent, raw skill, and like peak performance in the league, I don't think there has been anyone better than Rob Kukowski. There's maybe people who've done more over the course of their career, whose longevity obviously has to be admired as well. But like Rob Kukowski will probably for the next 20, 30 years be the platonic ideal of what a tight end should be in the NFL. Yeah, no, of course, and I'd say they'll probably be uh, next week. We'll be looking at the at the upcoming uh, draft and whatnot. But I imagine they'll be a lot of eyes on a number of these. Is the Iowa tight ends that are coming out and the potential for maybe one of those landing in and slotting into the system there. But yeah, Rob Gronkowski, and this is the thing: he's retired. But I, there's been a lot of rumors as well that he might not necessarily stay retired indefinitely. Uh, yeah. Should should the need arise, uh, you could well see him kind of just saving his body, getting himself back into shape, and then maybe coming back for another run at it. But we'll see, because he seems like the kind of guy who, I think he's never spent any of the money he's made from football. He's only spent his endorsement money, so he's quite well off. And also seems like he'd enjoy a bit of a party lifestyle. Maybe the WWE or something like that might come a-knocking, because I think he, there was some, some reference to that beforehand. But yeah, a great career for the chap, and uh, sad to see him go. Next major piece of news, probably the competition committee's proposal for expanding reviewable plays and coaching challenges to include DPI and OPI uh, by the by the uh, coaches. This includes non-calls of those. This was voted, I think, 31 to 1 in favour of it. Um, This is an interesting move. Uh, It comes, obviously, on the back of what happened in the Saints championship game against the Rams. Uh, This also includes not just that they are um, challengeable, but also that in the final two minutes of a half, they can be kicked up to the booth automatically by the referees on the pitch, correct? Yeah, so in the yeah in the last few minutes becomes like any of a reviewable play. I don't think uh, there will be any review without a coach's challenge outside of that circumstance. However, yeah. Um, so I think it's a it's obviously a, a really big controversy. The NFL changes something. Will like I think it's been being a one year trial, so it's obviously something that we're going to see how it goes. And you know, like right now um, in soccer. We're seeing the introduction of like video refereeing yeah. and lots more claims for this. That's pretty much true in the NFL already for many calls. But I think the ambiguous nature of pass interference in general, like some would argue that similar to holding calls, pass interference calls, there's pass interference on every single play. Um, so what will be interesting is not it, like this exists now. It'll be interesting to see how much it's enforced, how much it's used, how willing uh, coaches are willing to challenge these calls. Um, and how basically worth the basically the degree of evidence is going to be required to really get one of these either you know called for like a non call turned into a call and vice versa and like I think yeah. that's going to be a really interesting game chip probably kind of inside baseball type of stuff I'm sure Bill Belichick's already game planning it all out but uh, I think you know for those cases like in that Saints game where it was just so obvious it should hopefully prevent those. Uh, and I think maybe that, that'll be worth the cost of the occasional delay to the game from a, a coach. And of course, there's still the opportunity cost that you challenge a DPI call, you can't challenge other calls, and hopefully that's still kind of balanced with the entire system. No, of course. A couple of other ones that were mentioned were the introduction of a 4th and 15 play instead of an onside kick, I believe only in the 4th quarter with a couple of caveats. It was shot down, uh, but the idea is potentially to bring these in as they have the same percentage uh, of success as the old onside kicks do. Since the change in the rules, onside kicks have had a significant drop-off so that they're essentially non-entities. There's also discussion of changed overtime rules, but that's been deferred for now. There's a couple of other smaller changes, but the main one is just the uh, the allowing challenging on DPI and OPI calls uh crime and punishment uh everyone's favorite story robert Kraft getting a hand shandy uh he's refused to plea <laughs> to the deal in the solicitation case uh he also wants to stop the video coming out he makes a kind of apology but also will fight to stop the video coming out uh this is interesting because it was a very sweetheart deal that he was offered but he didn't want to have the uh the infringement on his record and they believe it is because he is afraid of it impacting his Hall of Fame access after he uh, stops being the owner of the... or whenever they look to possibly bring him in. But well, yeah, uh, Brett Favre is in the Hall of Fame, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true, but... I, th- I think I think I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think there's one or two people of note who having oh, some yeah. stuff either delayed them because I think for him because he's a big lover of the of the section that he also is mad into the idea of it being him first ballot in immediately kind of yeah thing, yeah you know? like of course like and, and you're a billionaire so you're kind of used to kind of 
well, he has the resources to fight this if he believes he can, and he can probably get a plea deal later on if he really, if his lawyers tell him that he has no chance of succeeding here. And of course, I think the main thing um, is perhaps that he really wants to stop this video being released, given like, and if the plea deal doesn't include that, which it probably didn't, then uh, that's probably a major point as well. I believe actually breaking news today, the Florida prosecutors have said that they will release the video despite his uh, attempts to get it stopped. So. That, that, that seems to be developing against him at the moment. Maybe that'll change his arithmetic. But, like, we, we've already discovered the background of this. Like, Robert Kraft got himself into a bit of trouble here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this keeps progressing. But for now, it's just more of a uh, the fact that he's willing to fight it. He may end up regretting it. You know, yeah. the media may look pretty sweet in a couple of weeks. So, as they say, gentlemen, start your incognito engines uh, if you want to go and have a look at that video. Because I sure shit don't want to see what Google Ads suggests after looking at that. Uh, Tyreek Hill was involved in an incident uh, with potential battery or assault on the son. His son had a broken arm. There was a child protection uh, investigation opened up into seeing what was underneath it. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this, but absolutely no details coming out. Uh, uh, essentially, we're still waiting on the official decision. We should be expecting it soon enough, as I think they normally are meant to complete the initial assessments within a month. Um, but he is back training with the team. Uh, it appears at the moment that they're not expecting anything to come of it. Uh, but this is a kind of thing where it could either be given his past, people are going to be very quick to jump and assume that it that it did happen. But it is a spot where realistically, if something like this happens, so they, they his son broke his arm, I believe is the story, and that then they were worried about how that may have happened. Uh, so if this does happen, he'll be out of the league, I think, immediately without. They, they, you wouldn't be able to hold him at all. Uh, if it didn't, it's an example of kind of gotcha journalism as it was a local uh, paper that ran a story based off the front page of a single report that didn't list him anywhere as a suspect. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and whether or not if this, if, if this, if it turns out to be nothing, whether it's something that he would just leave lie or whether he might actually sue the paper afterwards because he is, there was discussion before this came out about the Chiefs potentially making him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Uh, even if there's nothing here, the fact that this smoke was there will depress some of his free agent value, which will presumably push down what the Chiefs will have to give him to retain him. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where obviously his history will increase the suspicion around them, but I think the lack of any solid reports right now and the fact that he's at the offseason camps for KC probably indicates that... Um, that they they currently don't have strong evidence to believe that that's something as bad as might have been initially indicated went yeah. down but you know it's something to keep an eye on and oh, as 100%. you say as you say it's it just because it's come up it may affect his you know his agent's uh, mar- uh bargaining position in yeah. the next few months uh, running back Mark Walden for Cincinnati has been released after he was arrested for the third time this offseason. That is for concealed weapon, marijuana and reckless driving. And his previous ones were marijuana and battery. Uh, so this is a chap who they had hopes of getting him into the rotation and getting some production out of him. I think he was a third round pick last year, was it? Or something along those lines? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically uh, they've decided that's way too much going on in a short period of time let's just cut bait with him and uh and leave him to it uh but yeah like it, it's quite often baffling when you see these kind of things of like these are these are guys who are getting paid millions of dollars to play a sport and they're going around like as we said before marijuana have your buddy fucking carry it if you're going to do it like whatever your opinions on it are just don't be stupid you know uh reckless driving is stupid concealed weapons like on that well um, it's reckless driving in the context of being chased by the police so double stupid yes double double stupid um they might not have even found the weapon if it ran away from them <laughs> um but yeah essentially uh very very stupid boy um david irving has quit the nfl uh because they won't accept his beliefs um no because of uh he's eight is it was it an eight game or an indefinite suspension he got uh indefinite i believe yeah uh so he or was like, expected to be i should say yeah he likes his weed and he also then once he quit streamed himself smoking a blunt on instagram so well, uh smoking a blunt and explaining his views so yeah and he's there he had some interesting views and whatever like he presumably thinks he's made enough money but uh yeah i don't think he's coming back from that one no, he's not. Uh, Kareem Hunt's received an eight-game suspension from the league. Apparently, the decision 
to not appeal was taken into account in giving him that. He has been signed by the Cleveland Browns in the offseason, as we discussed on the previous episode. This means that he'll be able to return for them in the back half of the year. I believe they've put a petition into the NFL to allow him to train with the team during the suspension. This is the first time that one of these has been requested in this type of situation. I think they have been requested for performance-enhancing drug bans previously. So we'll see how they go. Um, but yeah, that's roughly where he is. Washington linebacker Ruben Foster will avoid a 2019 suspension from his DB accusation in late 2018, but he will be fined two game checks. Which is um, a little bit like, mm, okay. Apparently, like, I, like, San Francisco, of course, cut him after these like, domestic violence obligations came up. Yeah. And it sounds like the domestic, well, the domestic violence allegations didn't come to much, but it did sound... Well, the reason they cut him is because they had told him not to interact with his ex-girlfriend, who he probably did engage in domestic violence at some point. Yeah. Um, and he had been doing that. He had been... I don't know if it was harassment or she was trying to get in contact with him or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, I'm like, trying to remember back. Is this the is this the, is this the ex girlfriend who is like 15 years older than him, and they were dating since he was definitely underage? I have no idea. I think it's the one who was on the television uh, at the yeah. time. I can't, I, I can't. It, it was a weird situation, and I suppose the Mizungus believe that they've got a, a bargain here. Uh, but obviously, considering his checkered past, they'll probably need to keep a close eye on him to ensure. Yeah. Uh, there's no re uh But let's be, let, let's be honest. Like if you're if you're looking to do that, what better organization with stability and structures to support <laughs> players than the the Mazungus? Um, and Michael Bennett's charges about the weird story about him like hitting an old person or something at Super Bowl Fifty One have now been dropped and disappeared. That was just a weird story. Yeah, I have no idea. Texas man. Whatever man. <laughs> yeah, Texas forever. Uh, controversy corner. Uh, the AAF. The supposed hopeful feeder league to the NFL has uh, folded. It had a cash injection after week one where it failed to make a payroll to any of the players. Uh, they have blamed the NFL Players Association for not allowing them access to practice squad players and things like that. Um, this is a bit of a pain in the arse because obviously the NFL were backing this because they didn't want the XFL to be able to take over because they hate Vince McMahon and the XFL. <laughs> but uh, the AFF folded and is gone. Now, I believe there's something like is it 45, 50 players have been signed to NFL roster since then. Now, obviously, presumably a lot for camp bodies and for practice squad. But um, yeah, like the idea of giving these guys a run out to be able to evaluate some talent that might be borderline for rosters there there's clearly is a value to that from from that much of an outcome, yeah? Yeah, I, it, it, it was like a lot of hype. They got they got onto NFL Network. They had some actual mainstream network coverage and CBS, I believe, initially. And the ratings were pretty good. But apparently, whoever was putting the numbers together for this entire enterprise was really bad at it and ended up having to be bailed out early on uh, by, by, I forget what his name is, but a millionaire, basically, billionaire. A sports owner from another league and yes and then it just kind of folded i think it was like five weeks in and yeah so right now it looked like i think technically it's not fully liquidated yet but and it's actually affecting some players apparently the aff is allowing players to sign with the nfl but it's actually preventing them from signing with the cfl um that's a just a weird oh, okay. kind of legal oh, like some kind of structural contract issue or something yeah know? i think it's yeah. probably just because the nfl is big and you know they're willing, and they probably had some pre-existing agreements that people could sign for the NFL anyway. Whereas yeah. the CFL is small, and fuck those guys, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So I think it's just a situation like it's unfortunate. I think there was some hope there, or some initial hype there. We thought maybe there would be some, you know, off-season football, maybe worth checking out for like the playoffs. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's just turned into a complete mess, and a lot of players ended up not getting paid, and have have now paid out for expenses that they're not going to get back, and you know they're the people that you probably feel worse for here. Um. And, you know, hopefully they get their restitution eventually. No, of course. Uh, reports on the Kaepernick and Eric Reid settlement have come out to say that actually they believe the settlement was circa 10 million or possibly below, uh, which is a lot different from, I think, was about 90 to 100 million was what was initially being speculated on. Um, it's less money. And does that change your views on the settlement? Considering, like, what we said was that some of these guys were really... They were meant to be getting into it for a uh, 
for the idea of exposing injustice within the group and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then now to get a, such a paltry payout to not have a public hearing and such on, is, is, does that change your approach to it? Or do you just think, look, this went on and they got theirs at least, you know? Yeah, like, I, I don't blame them for making the settlement. I think it does change a little bit in terms of the public good. You're kind of like, look, this is, it feels like cheap change. Considering, well, considering we thought it was chump change when it was ten times that amount. Yeah, it's just a situation where you're like, like, like a lot of juicy stuff was likely to come out during this hearing, and that's never going to come to light now. It's all been locked up. But you know, I don't blame Kaepernick and Eric Reid for wanting to move on with their lives and using that money towards the kind of good causes that they do, regardless. And of course, yeah. Eric Reid is still in the league, so he, he's still playing. And but Kaepernick, this is probably the the last time he'll be connected with the NFL officially at this point. Yeah. Uh, as I said, though, like it does, it does make it interesting about whether or not the league would then be kind of pushing to someone should just hire Kaepernick. Now we gave him, he, he agreed with us to this, and essentially give them assistance. Uh, the NFL Players Association, the NFL, have agreed to regular meetings regarding the new collective bargaining agreement. They're shaping up for being a very, very long process, so we'll be reporting on that as as details come out. But yeah, uh, they seem to be betting themselves down and expecting it to be a long one. Uh, also in the controversy corner, and they're not normally in here, uh, Green Bay Packers, there was some reports came out about them, particularly one report with a lot of sources in it, that um, was very damning to pr- about pretty much everyone involved in it, uh, be it Mike McCarthy apparently getting massages rather than going to team meetings, be it Aaron Rodgers changing approximately half to two-thirds of the plays at the line of scrimmage because he didn't like Mike McCarthy's plans. Um yeah, it was a, it's a very weird one that paints everyone in quite a poor light. Um, a lot of ex-teammates came out to say if you got on the wrong side of, of Rogers that he would essentially cut you out and you'd be traded. And But then equally you have current players who've come out and said, well, no, that's not the guy who I know, that's not the guy who I work with. But it's a lot of noise swirling an organization that... To be honest, there's already a lot of pressure on. We said they've got a new head coach in. They're facing the last probably four years of Aaron Rodgers' career. This is not how you want to be starting out that new era. Yeah, I think every offseason there's always one of these like tell-all super articles, this time in Bleacher Report, where basically a lot of dirty laundry is just pushed out by once by various players, but within, uh, without, and coaches, you know, various stakeholders who just want to let let their you know let their freedom hang free basically yeah in this case yeah mike mccarthy basically a hit job of mike mccarthy let's be honest um absolutely he gets it in the neck many times and of course aaron Rodgers gets in the neck a fair amount as well regarding their respective egos and fighting and not doing what's best for the team or whatever like that but like we've seen articles like this on new england a couple of seasons ago we saw one on the on the seahawks a couple of seasons ago as well like these tend to come out and you know i haven't seen much correlation between them and actual success so i think it'll be difficult i think the biggest person this makes difficulty for is probably matt lafleur because now uh there's obviously gonna be immediate scrutiny of his relationship with aaron Rodgers and how he gets on with him um but i suppose you know that's gonna be true anyway but it only makes that a little bit worse Um, yeah and really it's what they do on the field that will matter in the end if they win the super bowl then this will be a you know a, a small footnote on 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 a on a reemergence for Aaron Rodgers, so no, I wouldn't read too much into it. It's a bit of off season fun, really. Yeah, uh, in slightly more vicious infighting, Antonio Brown has decided, "Fuck y'all, I'm going to town on the interwebs." Uh, he got into a Twitter beef with Juju Smith Schuster online. Uh, then he decided to start posting private messages that Juju had sent him when he was still in college about. I really think you're a great receiver. What can I do to become better? And just came off really badly in the entire thing. Just salty with everyone, really pissed off. Not exactly the mindset that you want to have in the player that you've just made the most highest paid wide receiver in the league to come play for your broken organization in the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, this is just one of those cases where you got your contract, AB, um... And you, as we'll discuss in the review, you should be really, really happy. But apparently, you know, got to have a few barbs back and forth with Juju. Uh, and I think on in on average, if you look over the the course of the you know Instagram back and forth, it seems like AB was a little bit more trying to get up in Juju's face or whatever like that. Um, didn't take any kind of slight. Doesn't obviously take slights very well. Uh, hopefully, he can leave that behind in Raiders. But then again, it's the Raiders, so. 
Uh, I can only imagine things will only get even worse in terms of social media shenanigans if things start going awry in uh, in Oakland. No, of course. Uh, for the next section, if uh, you're out there listening, just put on Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You in the background as we read through all of the uh, the players who have retired. Uh, wide receiver Jordy Nelson, uh, DT Haloli Nada, guard TJ Lang and Josh Sitton, uh, Ryan Khalil, Max Unger, Jeremy Macklin, Malcolm Mitchell, Ultron Werner, John Kuhn, uh, Shane Leckler and Kyle Emanuel have all announced their retirements in recent times. Uh, Josh McCowan is considering retiring at the moment. Uh, uh, Dominic Rogers Camardi has unretired and signed with the Washington Redskins. And uh, <laughs> the new defensive coordinator for New England, Greg Schiano, has decided to resign to focus on his faith and his family, which to me sounds like something bad's about to come <laughs> out about him. Either. Probably drugs or addiction or prostitutes or something but it's a very rare occasion that you see someone say I've accepted a job and then about two months later I'm going to step down not for any reason apart from to focus on my faith and my family um wild speculation uh has he killed someone uh no thoughts and prayers with you uh Greg Shiano, I suppose thoughts and like prayers. it could thoughts be it's either something really bad or something well something really bad that he like that he's involved in or it's like something really bad in terms of like an actual family emergency type yes. thing yes uh, if it's the, the latter obviously ignore all these jokes and just delete this from the record yeah of course but I think I think the <laughs> I think the major assumption that I'm hearing from a lot of people is that it's going to come from because uh, he was involved in some of the college programs that had major issues surrounding them and it might be that some information is going to come out in a court ca- <clears throat> in a court case about him being aware or more aware of what was going on than he had been letting on up to that point or something like the really bad stuff kind of stuff or like just kind of like college I think I think a mixture of I think it was I think I think he was involved in one of the programs where they had like they didn't they cover up that someone was an abuser. Oh, okay. that's the really bad stuff. Yeah, um, but also also other stuff as well. And uh, the only other final bit for the news before we move on to the free agency roundup is uh, the opening game this year is not going to be the defending Super Bowl champions. It's going to be Green Bay at Chicago. Uh, This is to celebrate 100 years of the NFL and New England are going to play on Sunday night football and tonight, when we're recording this it's tonight that the full schedule announces but the most common belief is that Sunday night game is going to be against the Kansas City Chiefs. That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not for us because we're in. That'll be like in the middle of night. But uh, no, it's 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 absolutely perfect for me because. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll actually be just nice and in the morning for me because I'll be over (laughs) in uh, in Iraq. But yeah, so that wraps up our our news and reviews bits, and we're going to move over and start on the free agency review. Uh, So I suppose we'll just fly through some of the extensions and re-signing stuff uh, because. We obviously will be then removed from the free agents review. Um, the most notable one is just there uh, Monday night. Uh, quarterback Russell Wilson of the Seahawks signed a monster extension. Uh, four years, $140 million with $107 million guaranteed and a no-trade clause. Uh, so this makes him the highest paid player in the NFL, I think earning $35 million on average. This is setting the bar for QBs, which is obviously something that we'll be looking at in future for Patrick Mahomes, about two years down the line. But the next one is probably the next person who's going to beat him is probably going to be Andrew Luck, right? Because he's up in a year's time, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a nice payday for Russell, and he's also got the no trade clause in there, so he has control over himself, which is pretty good. This is your team. What do you think? Yeah, like uh, I think the the major thing here is that Russell Wilson and his agent set a hard um, deadline for the fourteenth of April. Um, and basically lots of rumours came out about what would happen if it didn't get signed, that he would actually just not do any more negotiations for future years. Probably a bit of saber-rattling there. And of course, the last month has been taken up with idiotic um, New York Giants trade rumours and stuff like that. Maybe created by the agent, maybe created just because it's the off-season and there's nothing better to do. But I think, you know, Russell Wilson is a top-five quarterback. He's someone who's obviously won a Super Bowl in Seattle and therefore is a a local town hero and taking to another Super Bowl that didn't end quite as well. And I think, you know, last year he wasn't, yeah, obviously he'd lost a step in terms of being uh, like a, a running quarterback. But I think last year you saw uh, obviously a team that ran very heavy, but 
Russell Wilson was spectacularly efficient within that offense. I think he's actually almost better suited for that offense uh, at this stage than he would be to the run pass off, uh, offense he kind of ran earlier yeah. on in his career. I think, you know, you know, if you're a franchise quarterback, if you're a top five quarterback, if you want a Super Bowl, like we're not talking about a Joe Flacco situation here. It's someone who's proven himself, even as the team's been rebuilt, that he can keep getting them to the playoffs. And I think it's just a situation that those guys get paid. They get paid a lot. And within a couple of years, unless the CBA does something really weird, this will probably just be like a like a bottom of the top 10 type of contract. And he'd be well worth that at that point. Oh, 100%. You also locked up your linebackers, KJ Wright and Michael Kendricks. Dallas... Uh because, well, you know, they kind of got backed, them, backed into a corner on a lot of this as well. Uh, they needed to lock down someone who could r- rush the passer. So Demarcus Lawrence got paid five years, $105 million with $65 million guaranteed. It's a lot of money locked up in the one guy who can do that on that defense. Yeah, it's a situation where, like, we know that Dallas generally play their players anyway. Um, and, like, Demarcus Lawrence had has had a spotty career early on, but has been very well-timed in his, you know, career renaissance, effectively, and has, you know, leveraged that very well to basically become one of the highest-paid defensive players in the league, now right up there with the Von Millers and the Khalil Max. I think he's not quite as good as those players, so that's I think he's got less than Khalil Mack. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but I think in terms of, like, if you're talking about now Pro Bowl players versus all Pro players, which is kind of Khalil Mack tier, this is now the kind of baseline of what you're going to look at when you're looking at people like, say, Frank Clark, uh, looking to get paid. This is what they're going to be asking for. Jadavion Clowney, that's what they're going to be looking for. And I think, you know, he's a really good player. Um, he's proven it over the last couple of seasons. But obviously, with a team like Dallas, which tends to be quite top-heavy, and there's a lot of contracts coming down the tracks for Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott, etc., uh, they'll make it work because the cap is, is kind of overrated. But uh, I'm sure all types of weird stuff and people will be cut in the interim as well. Uh, but, you know, he deserved to get paid for what he did, and uh, it just shows the power of pass rush in terms yeah. of contract leverage no, these days. 100%. Uh, Minnesota have been breaking out the checkbook, so wide receiver Adam Thielen has just gotten a four-year, $64 million with $33 million guaranteed extension, uh, which gets him nicely paid. And linebacker Anthony Barr gets a five-year, $67.5 million with $33 million guaranteed uh, deal. Um the Thielen one makes perfect sense, locking up a guy who has increased his production year on year, uh, is a key piece of that offense. Anthony Barr is an interesting one, as he had a verbal agreement, I believe, with the New York Jets to yeah, sign in with the, them. In the legal tampering period. <laughs> in the legal tampering period. So he had an agreement with them, and he was about to sign with them, and then I believe they came out and said that they were planning to change his position a little bit and make him kind of more of a pure pass rusher, a la what he did in college, and he decided, well... I think I prefer being in the system that I'm in now with the coaches I'm in now. So he came back and just signed the same deal with the with the with the Vikings instead. Uh, the only problem that this is going to po- cause them is one of the reasons they were able to do what they did say two years ago was they had all these pieces for pennies, whereas now they're paying a lot of money to Kirk Cousins. They've got a lot of money wrapped up in Adam Thielen and Anthony Barr. They are having to start to pay these guys who are the core of that team and. You know yourself well, with the exception of those like the New England who just constantly recycle players. Once you start putting out these contracts, it's hard to get those cores back together again. Yeah, but I think like the the Kirk Cousins contract kind of forces them the all guaranteed contract basically forces them to go all in regardless of how they view Kirk Cousins right now. So yeah. uh, like I think you just kind of have to pay these players and say we have a three year window where we have Kirk Cousins as our quarterback. Let's do everything we can to build around him if you believe he's more of a, a trailer quarterback uh, and just do it and three years from now there'll be a different coaching staff probably if it doesn't work out so who gives a shit about those guys basically so yeah. I can see what they're doing here and Adam Thielen to be honest, was getting underpaid a lot so I wouldn't be surprised if he was saber-rattling a fair amount by going full holdout potentially unless he got a, a, a redone, a redo of his deal and obviously his production last year is well worth this type of contract. No, of course. Uh, there's lots of other moves around the league. Um, I've mentioned one or two that kind of jump out at me. New Orleans have re-signed quarterback Teddy Bridgewater to be their backup. Apparently, there's a bidding war between Miami and New Orleans for him. Well, we say bidding war, bidding war in inverted commas. They weren't throwing tons of money at him. But apparently, he would rather be the backup in New Orleans than be a potential starter in Miami, which is uh, which is interesting. Apparently, Miami were offering slightly more money, but still essentially backup money, which, to be honest, if you had those two options, wouldn't you take about the same amount of money to not get the shit kicked out of you uh, down in that sweltering hot swamp? Um, 
the LA Rams re-signing Dante Fowler Jr. was an interesting one for me because uh, he did produce at the back end. But where, like, where do they have this magical bag of money that they're paying for all these players out of? Like, they give well, them a one-year, fourteen million dollar contract. I understand that, but like, Todd Gurley's the highest-paid running back in the league, isn't he? They've got like loads of money tied up in their defensive front seven. They've got a lot of money tied up slash having to be paid for their cornerbacks. Like, is it just because they're not paying the quarterback? Pretty much. I think once Jared Goff gets paid and probably overpaid, in my opinion, that will change it a lot. It's a one-year contract, which probably takes account the CBA uncertainty as well. I think he came on well towards the end of it, and I think they probably made a choice. They probably had a choice between do we want Dante Fowler or do we want Sue, and they decided that Dante Fowler had more upside or was more useful yeah. in their scheme. And he's I think, younger, you know, and he's you know, you know. He's, he's looking to prove it, and it's a one-year prove-it deal, so they'll probably get good production again if he exactly. wants to get paid. Um, let me see. RG3 is staying with the Baltimore Ravens, which makes sense as a backup for uh, for their young quarterback there. He's a bit closer in style. Um, yeah, like, Gar- I, yeah I, I, I think like there's a few that I think are underrated. Um, I think Indianapolis, Marcus Hunt, and Pierre Desir are both players who showed well in their system and probably aren't getting paid a lot. Like right now, two years, nine yeah. million, three years, uh, five million. I, I, I was hoping that the Chiefs would go after Pierre Desir. I thought it'd be a good yeah. rotational back. That would, and as we see here, a good price for that as well. Yeah, Chargers lock up a few veterans like Brandon Meepain, Perryman, and I think yeah, you're about to mention Philadelphia. I think getting Ronald Darby in a one-year yeah. deal is really good business considering. Real smart. Cornerback got smart. paid a lot, and Vinnie Curry is like a great rotational defensive end. And you know, there's a couple. I think Sterling Shepard got a fairly decent contract out of. I the think they, I think they way overpaid for him. I uh, I don't uh, think I don't think he's a ten million a year wide receiver. Like I think I think after signing Golden Tate, it was very unnecessary because they're both slot guys, and I don't think yeah. he's that much better I think, than Golden I think, Tate. I think I think he gets this payment because they traded Odell Beckham, and yeah. if they hadn't traded Odell Beckham, they're not paying him ten million a year. Yeah, and uh, and for the most underwhelming re-signing set, Cincinnati has to take it. Bobby Hart, Preston Brown, CJ Usamo, uh, Dirkis Denard, and uh, Tyler Eifert is, is interesting. But like, it, it's basically like, oh, you're like it's a new dawn in in Cincinnati. Let's sign the all the underwhelming. <laughs> let's sign all the underwhelming players we had already. No, uh, and, and sausage was re-signed, of course. Yeah, and, I love that. Yeah. Nice sausage. Sausage is my favorite re-signing. I called it. I also quite like uh, Adrian Peterson, two-year, five million. I think that's great value yeah. for him. Um, well, yes. you could have got him for less a year ago, but uh, yeah, but uh, you know, yeah. he's show, he showed enough that that was fine. Um, and then we and also it, have our special teams movements yeah, as well. In recompense sure. for last for the free agent preview, where we skipped the the, the long snappers, mm-hmm. um, long snappers that were re-signed include Casey Kreider for Denver, who's a Pro Bowler. Keep him in house. Exactly. Uh, Zach for the Giants, I don't actually know how much he got paid. Probably uh, many, probably, many about, probably about one million. That's <laughs> Kyle Nelson, who is most famous for being the long snapper who took PEDs. Uh, he must be really good. <laughs> I can snap it so far, right over them hills. And then a couple of punters, Pat Kern and Pat O'Donnell, got paid as well. But uh, yeah. giving some love to those long snappers. Once again, apologies for skipping long snappers in the free agency preview. Yes, of course. We, 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 we apologize greatly. We, 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 we got your messages. We understand. The we oldest not... and most noble profession. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so what we'll do is we'll move from there onto the free agency review, look at some winners and losers, and then see what is uh, out there at the moment. So I suppose we'll kick off. Uh, big winners from the free agency are probably the Cleveland Browns, as you have phrased them here, uh, the factory of gladness. Um, they picked up Odell Beckham Jr., uh, so that's going to be a huge addition to that offense. So that's Baker, OBJ, Landry, Chubb, after eight games, Hunt and Njoku, like... And the, and the offensive line looked pretty decent as well uh, at spots in the back yeah. half of last year. Freddie Kitchens is well set up. Their defense have added some nice pieces. Olivia Vernon, uh, Sheldon Richardson. Like, with the people that they have and the fact that they still got a fair whack of draft capital left over as well. Um, yeah, this is this is a very... If you consider this team a year ago, two years ago, to where it is now, this is a remarkable turnaround. Whereas this is... Like I'd say most bookies probably have these guys as the favorites to win their division at this point. Yeah, like it's it's a it's an amazing turnaround, and I think it's not just the quality of the players that they brought in, but the fact that they're players who get the Cleveland Browns national profile. I don't think there's outside of maybe like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, there's no one with a bigger profile 
in the general public than uh, OBJ. He is like the face of the NFL in many ways. Like, like obviously, his stock's a little bit down after being injured last year. But and obviously, he's an exceedingly talented player, an amazing player who made Eli Manning look adequate uh, by mm. taking his like you know five yard passes. Well, to be fair, to be, to be to fair he was he was a better quarterback on that team. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's 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 a kind of win win there, and obviously Baker Mayfield is such a is such a, st- a star in the making. He's got the right attitude. He's got the kind of profile to really be someone if they start winning to to kind of make them like a like a star studded event. That like and I think Freddie Kitchens, the offense he put together, the relationship he has with Baker, you have to be really excited about what they could do here. Uh, and obviously those complimentary pieces like Chubb. Uh, and Landry looked pretty good last season, so I think they can still do stuff. I think the biggest issue for them might be on the defense. It wasn't great last year. I think Vernon and, and Sheldon Richardson are really good pieces. Um, like and kind of bulk them up hopefully in terms of their pass rush, which obviously they're, they're down a little bit uh, after trading away. Uh, well, losing a few pieces, and but I think the big thing for them, uh, the biggest thing for them is to. The uh, on the defense is do Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, these like kind of young superstars, and Ward in particular with the concussion issue. Hopefully that doesn't really affect him in twenty nineteen. Yeah. That could be really good. And yeah, it's weird to see the Cleveland Browns be the favorites in the AFC North. Obviously, uh, things have haven't gone great for Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Really aren't are probably basically where they were last season. But I think just given what they've done, given this momentum, buying into being like a, we want to win, we're big show, like basically the anti-Patriots like anti approach, like maybe it doesn't work, but I, I genuinely hope it does work. And I genuinely think it should work because unlike in the other times that we've taught this, where they've kind of signed like the biggest free agents available and they've been like, because the best free agents available aren't really the best players. This is now a case where they've got one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, so hopefully it's enough to get them going. No, of course, very exciting for them. We already mentioned him earlier, but another winner is presumably Antonio Brown. After being unhappy in Pittsburgh, he decides to fuck around for the offseason, throw them under the bus, skip the last game, dye his mustache, be high on television, <laughs> uh, undercut his trade value. As soon as they get an offer, say, fuck that, I won't turn up if you trade me to Buffalo. Uh, and then at the end of it, it all works out fine for him. He uh, <laughs> he gets uh, the tail end of his free money from Pittsburgh. He gets picked up by Oakland, who then give him a new three-year $50 million contract with $30 million guaranteed. Um, the obvious issue is Derek Carr, what is he as a quarterback? He regressed severely last year and did not look that good. Uh, will he work in this type of system that Gruden wants to run there? But to be honest, Antonio Brown is getting on in age at this point. He has gotten a shitload of guaranteed money and a nice big healthy contract here. So to an extent, he'll be happy either way. Although it seems, as we saw from his online stuff, that he does not like it when people call him out for being <laughs> shy. So let's just hope that it does okay and he doesn't freak out. Yeah, like uh, I think like the biggest power move here was vetoing a trade to Buffalo, like saying I will not be traded for to Buffalo. For more stuff as well. Yeah, like, I, I, like and for more like trade value. I think that's just a sign that the Pittsburgh Steelers got got here. Uh, like uh, like with maybe the exception of the Redskins, well, the Mizungus and Kirk Cousins, I don't think a player has has shown up their team as much as they have here. Like, do I think this will actually work from a football point of view? I still have zero fate in the Oakland Raiders, so probably not. Yeah. But if I'm Antonio Brown, I'm now the big guy on campus in that thing. Like Derek Carr doesn't seem like someone who's going to be big banning him out of the out of the room. Like so, that's probably it's good for Antonio Brown. Don't know if that's good for the organization, but uh, you know this is just like player power. Oh my God, what's happening here? But uh, no, of course, hey, if you are a superstar in the NFL. Um, sure all the contracts and stuff is against you but this shows that if you want to hold out if you want to play the long game and you play at a premium position do it because you're going to win no of course and the final one that we've given as the winning groups are safeties so after low expectations because if you think back to last year safeties were just not getting paid they just you, you couldn't some of them couldn't even find jobs until like literally the preseason uh, this year they are all getting paid, particularly the high-end ones. So Landon Collins got a blockbuster six-year, $84 million contract in Washington. Because you know how good Washington are whenever they start paying <laughs> massive money for superstar fucking DBs. That's never 
come bit them in the ass. Earl Thomas got four years, 55 million. I am so pissed off at that as well. Because apparently, <laughs> apparently they were at agreement for a for a one-year deal in the, in Kansas City as well for like 13 million or something. Like, Tyron <laughs> Ma- Matthew was like a solid signing for you guys. But yeah. uh, he does feel like the consolation prize. Well, the, no, because the idea the idea was apparently we wanted Tyrion Matthew. Um, but we're also going to take the one-year rental on Earl Thomas and put them together there, which oh. would have just been, oh, <laughs> God. Like, it would make the loss of Barry so much better. Uh, Matthew got a three-year, $42 million uh, contract from the Chiefs. Joyner got a four-year, $42 million contract. Um, and then other players, like Amos and Weddle, got decent money. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great year to be a safety in the market, which was surprising given that there was a lot of them out there and this is a defense-heavy draft where they're expecting a fairly good uh, crop of safeties coming through. Yeah, like I think there's a, a lot of solid safeties coming through. I, the, my biggest problem maybe is that there's no uh, superstar safeties coming through. I think that's the expectation. Lots of kind of second, third-round guys. But, like, yeah, I was surprised. Like, this is a position that we thought was going the way of running backs, which we'll talk about in a moment, where they're basically going to get more and more denuded in favor of the, like, the pass rushers and the cornerbacks uh, or the more flexible guys. Uh, on the back end, but in the end, like Landon Collins was probably the most surprising contract, and probably one which I think won't end up being a good deal for the Mizungus. I think it's he got way overpaid for what he is. Some have said the contract is structured in such a way that they'll probably cut him in a couple of years because Mizungus. But I think the big thing here is that players like Earl Thomas and Tyron Matthews, guys who probably genuinely do have that all pro talent and have shown that in the past, uh, albeit both coming off issues. Um, injury and otherwise in the recent past, yeah. they got paid what they're worth. And I think four years, 55 million for Earl Thomas, I think was perfectly good value. And in a team like Baltimore, with obviously its huge history of elite safeties, he could easily have a second innings in the NFL. Oh, it is a um, beautiful landing spot for him. Yeah. And Tyron Matthew, I think, if like losing Eric Berry, obviously a huge deal. We'll see your area if he ends up playing in 2019. Uh, but I think Tyron Matthew is that kind of flexible chess piece that will be great for a secondary, which right now will probably be starting a lot of young guys uh, and therefore having someone who can kind of slot in anywhere nearly is going to be really valuable for them. And LaMarcus oh. Joyner got a decent contract as well, even with, even with a down 2018. So that gives yeah. you an indication that guys with talent, they're getting paid, and this is a position that... Maybe it isn't at the premium of defensive end or whatever, but at least it isn't sinking into the absolute mire of the most disposable uh, no, positions. Uh, all the ones that did well that we kind of didn't go into, former Pats all got paid apart from Chris Hogan, who I think is being paid $26.50 to <laughs> be a pass catcher for uh, Cam Newton. Uh, offensive line and pass rushers, uh, we mentioned them previously in our preview saying we were expecting them to do well. They did. Uh, the Green Bay defense picked up a couple of nice pieces and there was a lot of trading. So that seems to be back on the boards. We'll fly through some of the downside ones uh our first big loser this so far has been the new york giants obj trade is you know a, obviously they get some pieces for that they like the the jabril peppers they picked up in that one as well yeah. um and they get a first and a third for it but like you know he was a key piece and instead of keeping obj or you know um Landon Collins or you know like any of these younger pieces what they've decided to do is double down on Eli they said he's their starter in this year and maybe the year afterwards as well they're giving Golden Tate a lump of money to now be presumably their WR1 even though they've just got two slot receivers really um they're just going to run Saquon into the ground they don't like they they're overpaying for pieces that don't do what they're meant to do they don't have a quarterback they don't have a like an offensive roster that's going to do the job. They don't have a defensive roster that's going to do the job. Uh, they've got a very angry fan base. And like, I just, this is almost like a Miami Dolphins level of, I don't understand what the plan is here. Like they got less for both OBJ and they got fucking essentially nothing for Landon Collins, even though they could have sold both those pieces if they decided they wanted to go in and stay where they are. Like, I just, I just don't understand apart from, we want to pick high again next year, what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, it just, yeah, it's, it's such a, I think we always have the losers being teams like, like the Giants or like the Miami or Buffalo who kind of tread water, don't really know what they're doing. And this is just the ultimate treading water, um, like off season. You trade your most iconic player 
so obviously that indicates, and you get a lot of draft picks. Obviously, so lit- literally rebuilding. a year after you gave him that yeah. massive fucking And you're eating a load of dead money as well. Yeah, yeah. And then you sign Golden Tate on a four-year contract. And obviously Eli is now being bigged up as your starter again, which pretty much indicates that you're, you're probably not planning to draft someone in this this year or maybe you're not as high on the guys like, that draft do, this like, year. Do, do the ownership have some kind of like fantastic poison pill in their contract that if they get fired they get a hundred million dollars <laughs> or something? Maybe. But I, I like and like, like I know the offense and, and OBJ is the big thing, but I think like they've still got Saquon and Evan Ingram and stuff, so maybe it won't be a complete disaster. But I think that defense, like once they traded Snacks Harrison in twenty eighteen in the mid season, like their run defense turned into absolute shit. And now they lose Olivia Vernon, like their best pass rusher. He wasn't great, but he was their best pass rusher. So you're like, there's nothing up front, and their defensive backs aren't exactly elite either. So like, I, I like the offense. Yes, Luke Gumby Jay is big. I think Eli's going to hold that back regardless if he was there or not. But I think this defense could genuinely like in like the bottom five of the of the NFL next season. And if that's the hey, case, hey, this could... hey, hey, you can do pretty well with a bottom five defense. I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got Patrick Mahomes, like Chico Mahomes, but like, like this is this is. This is a disaster waiting to happen, and it just feels like Pat Shermer, hired oh just over a year ago now, is being set up to you know get the shit get, get be shit canned uh, like a year from now. So bad for Shermer, bad for all the brass there, um, and bad for the Giants fans for what's been a pretty struggling franchise for a few years now at this point. No, of course. Uh, next up is running backs, and in particular Le'Veon Bell. Uh, running backs are just not getting paid at the moment. It's soft as hell. Le'Veon Bell held out last year because he didn't like the deal he was getting, which was said to be um, approximately $14.5 million guaranteed. Uh, he wanted closer to 16 Instead, he takes a year out, doesn't get that money, he goes to the Jets and gets a four-year $52 million uh, with $35 million guaranteed, which is about $13 million per year, which is roughly what he was offered beforehand. <laughs> Uh, now I understand the difference here was that the contract because the Steelers were very public in putting out that oh, well look we're offering him a three or four year deal at, like, uh, at a rate that was like a bit higher or whatever but actually the contract they were offered him beforehand every single year was a team option so he had no guaranteed money past the first year um, so it was if they kept him it was guaranteed or a large portion was guaranteed but essentially he had no year to year stability which I could kind of get that like yeah, the, the problem is that if he ends up playing three or four more years, he's never going to make back the $14 million that he missed out on yeah. getting. No, I, I can see why he, like the Pittsburgh deal wasn't as good as it might have been made out to be public, but I think it's still a case that you know he held out an entire year, gave up the obviously guaranteed money that he would have got, uh, like $15 million, um, uh, and gets a deal which is, yes, probably one of the better deals for running backs, but it's still... Compared to the type of deal going to like fairly like you know like Sterling Shepard's getting ten million a year, he's getting thirty million a year. Like Le'Veon Bell when he was playing was way better than Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just a situation where it, when you're like one of the top three, one of the elite players, and you're still getting lowballed like this, and that's and the Jets only really came in with this after they missed out on Anthony Barr. Apparently, yeah. they mightn't have given us money without that. Um, that gives you an indication of where running backs are right now. And sure, I can question, but like Le'Veon Bell, obviously there's major question marks there in terms of character, but even given that, the talent, you know, talent gets paid. Oh, but yeah. Not a running back, apparently, because these uh, guys but, are getting screwed. But that's the thing, because even if you look at that, like that is circa 13 million per year. It means that he's what, four, he's got like 9 million a year guaranteed, essentially, on that contract. Like that is still, I think, nearly double his his guaranteed money averaged out is nearly double what the next uh, what the next running back got as their total contract i think it's topping out at about 5 million for ingram and coleman with a lot of other guys still looking running backs are not in a good spot right now uh, and yeah that's a problem our final loser is going to be uh, you guessed it from earlier conversations miami uh, they've gone into full run, <laughs> rebuild mode but they have a lot of shit to get out from underneath underneath uh, beforehand poor contracts and mismanagement over the years so they have let go Tannehill probably Quinn Amendola Jawan James Camwake Frank Gore uh, just all those guys are going to be gone it leaves almost no one left to build around uh, whatsoever you've got a first year coach in place you have players who will rather be a backup and not showcase their talent than come and be your quarterback you have nothing that's going to attract uh, a, a free agent outside of the tax regime in Florida like 
it is a mess. They've brought in Fitzmagic, which is always a bit more fun. At least yeah. you'll have a bit of crack <laughs> with that. Uh, he's promised to maintain the beard. He said it's part of him now. Um, Though he's apparently a little bit thick in uh, early uh, off-season camps. He, he was saying, yeah, he's been eating a lot of like children's birthday cake. But he will be getting <laughs> himself back into football shape afterwards. Um, but yeah, Miami, my God. Uh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, like it, it's weird. Like, I, I think like they're going for a rebuild, and it was probably needed, right? But like the the level of change that they're undergoing this offseason just indicates how much they failed. And my biggest worry with Miami is they got Brian Flores, obviously from the New England tree. Obviously, he's going to be quite into like changing things over anyway. But it's Miami, so I would I be surprised? Like, is this a team that could easily go zero wins, one wins, two wins? Is Brian Flores going to get enough time after a season like that to change this roster, or is he going to get gazumped by some kind of organizational bullshit? I just like Brian Flores. Uh, like I, his, his reputation in England is pretty well, though. Obviously, Matt Patricia similar didn't really work out in year one. It's just it's like when you got a team this much, the chance of things going completely off the rails is so it's high enough that you're wor- worried that the team. You know that they may just go down, and this may be something that someone else will get the benefit of going forward, and or they just go through a series of coaches uh, yeah. as they kind of rattle along the bottom. And as I say, like Fitzmagic should at least make it interesting, and should at least get them some wins. You would imagine if they're just trying to come from behind, at least they can score points. Yeah, they'll have a bit of fun with it. Like, but like it's just, it's like there's like, can you name one other player on the Miami Dolphins right now? Um, is the Parker one still there? Uh, he, he was re-signed. Yeah. Okay, very good. The only one, the, one. The, like there's like like there's a couple of other players. Like there's Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, so there's Dr- can, Drake is there, isn't he? Uh, yeah, Kenyon Drake. So there's yeah. like a handful of players that you can name, not good players. No, but you can name, which can is name. worrying. And it's just like when you go that low. Sorry, you know, Dolphins fans, but yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> unless you're like have Hugh Jackson levels of like manipulation of the front office, then Brian Flores could end up being in trouble and get shit-canned, even though it's not even his fault. No, of course. Uh, we'll fly through a couple of more notable moves. Uh, just if you spot any on our list that you want to chat about, if it's shout out. Uh, Nick Foles has been signed to Jacksonville for a four-year $88 million contract, with fifty, just over $50 million guaranteed. We expected that. I think we called that in the earlier yeah, show. we've already uh, talked about it. Yeah, like Case Keenum uh, is now in Washington, like literally a six-for-seven swap. This is just, you know, clearing a little bit up after they signed uh, Flacco. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is now in Tennessee. I think it's a one-year contract. They'll see whether... He's probably not fighting for actual starting time. Probably just more with Mariota's injury history. See what they've got there. Um, We mentioned a couple of running backs. The only one that I'd like to say, because I think they got an absolute steal here, was uh, Philadelphia getting Jordan Howard from Chicago for a a conditional sixth-round pick is... uh, that's that's a steal for me. Jordan Howard is a good running back, and he just didn't fit into the system in Philadelphia. Getting that for a fifth or, sixth round pick, or sorry in Chicago, getting that for Philadelphia for a fifth or sixth round pick is a steal in my. I head. think they're going to have a nice. They're going to go full road. Like they tried the GHI experiment, who's probably one of the best still available, but having a bell cow, and then they've gone. We'll take Jordan Howard. We'll add him with our kind of more pass heavy like running backs and just have a good rotation. And yeah, I think as part of a, a running back rotation, I think Jordan Howard, yeah, really good value. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting, just the side of the fleet seems to be kind of getting the band back together. Sean Jackson's going back as well for a, like a six for seven swap. And I think they're paying him a lump of money, which is a bit odd, uh, especially given that he's still even now kind of known as a, uh, as a speedster. Whereas like, Let's be honest, they weren't really a vertical attacking passing game uh, last year, so we'll see what the, uh, what, the what, what, what their plans are with that. Uh, the Oakland Raiders have decided to pair with the most expensive wide receiver. Uh, they decided to give $66 million to uh, Trent Brown, the offensive tackle from the Patriots, wasn't it? Um, but it's unusual because he was playing left tackle for the Patriots, was a right tackle before that, but they have just drafted a left tackle in the previous draft, didn't they? Yeah. So there's a whole question about are they just overpaid Hold for? Yeah, haven't they just like have they just overpaid for an offensive lineman to play out of position? <laughs> well, again? like Trey Brown, to be fair, he was left tackle in New England, but he had been right tackle for San Francisco. Yes, but he'd and... been terrible for them. Yeah, well, he he'd be okay in his first year, and then he'd 
But uh, apparently Trent Brown, he's just a like he like okay, Trent Brown is a massive man, all the physical gifts from the world. Apparently not the biggest studier of the game. I think he's no. someone if there's a good if there's a good OL coach there, uh is it Tom Cable is still their OL coach? Anyway. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh my god, it's gonna be so bad. <laughs> It'll be a disaster. But oh, like the poor Oakland Raiders. It, it's just a situation where we like offensive tackles get overpaid, like uh Juwan James got paid in Denver when he left Miami, 52 million, four years. They always get overpaid, and all their offensive linemen got pretty well paid as well, to be honest. So I think it's just a situation where, yeah, Trent Brown, it's just one of those like weird Oakland contracts. Uh, I don't really know what they're doing, uh, but, you know, it's a 10-year master plan. You know, you can't expect to, to understand what's happening in it's, year it's two. It's 4D chess, man. It's 4D chess. <laughs> can't see it. Uh, we mentioned earlier, oh, uh, edge rushers got paid. We'll just talk about kind of maybe the top five here. Uh Trey Flowers got paid ninety million for a five-year contract from Detroit because you know why not? Uh, you know they do have that bit of DNA attached given hey, their head coaching you, and everything. You know a New England template. What if we did the opposite of that by paying all those New England players a shit ton of money after they leave New England? Yeah, it was Matt a Patricia, bit... rocket scientist. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably sounds more like he needs a brain surgeon though. Uh, <laughs> D Ford was traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the San Francisco 49ers. We get a second round pick for him. Uh, we had him under uh, the franchise tag, so we didn't actually have him in a long-term deal. So pretty decent wedge for that. He gets a five-year, $87 million contract. Uh, Zadarius Smith gets a $66 million contract for Green Bay. They also decide to pair him with Preston Smith. So the two Smiths... Uh, Preston gets $52 million, which means I think he is less good uh, by roughly $14 million. Uh, so that is their two parts. And then uh, also the Chiefs released Justin Houston uh, because he was too expensive, uh, even though he could still play. Indianapolis get him on a two-year $24 million deal, which I think is a great deal for the Indianapolis Colts. I think they've gotten themselves a steal at that price. If he would have taken $12 million a year in Kansas City, I think we would have just redone his deal but yeah yeah it's like i think uh like the trey flowers one yeah we kind of discussed that but like d ford it's a lot of money and i think they a play lot a lot of money they play a four three defense like salah is like the like, literally the reason that we were kind yeah. of staying away from a long-term deal was that yeah, like, and... like San just seemed to love having defensive linemen for whatever reason and they paid a lot of money in this case rather than draft them in the first round that's yeah. a different way to do it and yeah like i like green bay um, I think these are both interesting prospects. I think Preston Smith's like higher floor, lower potentials. Derry Smith had like a breakout 2019, but basically didn't do anything for his first three years. But I think they are definitely an upgrade over Nick Perry and Clay Matthews. So yeah. it, I, I think they'll be more solid. I don't know if they're going to become elite. And Justin Houston, yeah, I think that's an absolute bargain. And of course, you know, the big money being paid out for these guys then had a knock-on effect in the trade market with Michael Bennett going to New England from Philadelphia. Olivier Vernon obviously being part of the... Um, We've been traded for Kevin Zeichler um, to Cleveland and uh, Robert Quinn being traded to Dallas from Miami. So, you know, there's some like other guys like Cam Cam Wink who got overpaid as well, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, Edge Russell, it's really nice. Whether you're getting tagged or you're getting to free agency, no matter what happens, you're you're getting getting pretty good value overall for no, being a good pass rusher. Um, so we'll just have a look at one or two of the best players still left out there on the market. Okay, uh, so we won't even we won't even go into these in depth. If you had to sign right now, someone who's sitting out there, QB. Uh, I would probably take. Depends what's happening. It, it, like like Sam Bradford's probably the one who actually has the best chance of being a traditionally good quarterback, mm-hmm. but. I actually like Josh Johnson. Actually, looked pretty good for the Mazungus in the back end of last season, and yeah. he's a dual threat quarterback. So, if you're in the our team is kind of shit uh, situation, which the Mazungus were in, then yeah. having someone like Josh Johnson mightn't be a bad idea. No, of course, uh, Jay Ajayi or TJ Yeldon is probably your best option out there running back. Uh, Crabs and. Des Bryant as your wide receiver combo. I'm basically trying to put together a team from who's left out there. Um, there's not great at wide receiver now, um, nor at O-line. Uh, Ziggy Ansa, Shane, Shane Ray's not very good. Ziggy Ansa on the edge wouldn't be too bad if yeah, his I, medical stuff comes through. Derek Morgan, he's been okay during his career times, and Shane Ray's not good yet. But like Ziggy Ansa, apparently he's got a shoulder surgery, so teams are waiting on that. Yeah, and so I, think, like a lot, I think we had him in for a for a for a look in KC, and we said we wanted to wait for the medical. Yeah, and a lot of these players are like that. 
But all, surprisingly, interior defensive line, that's not the situation. Deep as hell, yeah. Yeah. Natomi Gasu is still there. Timmy Jernigan's still out there. And, and was more of a flyer. Mo Wilkerson is still out there. Like, these are maybe these guys are obviously probably still looking for higher-end defensive line contracts. Sue and Jernigan, they're obviously yeah. not getting interest. And I think maybe due to the draft depth at that position, they're mm-hmm. getting frozen out until people know where they're at there. Yeah, but 100%. To see, to see Natomi Gasu still available you know, yeah. like a week out from the draft is very surprising. Yeah, and we've got our, like, Eric Berry is sitting out there, Jamie Collins. Um, the one that's actually intrigued me, because I think I've heard him mentioned a few times, Trey Boston kind of intrigues me a little bit, because I think, I think the longer he's out there, the cheaper he's going to be. Yeah, I think he's someone that you can pick up for pennies on the pound, and he'll be a solid safety. Obviously, safeties end up having a better uh, offseason than expected, but Trey Boston seems to be one of the the few who's going to be left on the vine and actually get the kind of contracts we were expecting for what is a decent, solid starter type of player. Yeah, no, of course. Um, but yeah, uh, actually, we've ran over a little bit time-wise, so I think we'll leave the questions until the uh, until the uh, draft podcast. But yeah, no, so that's there's a lot going on, as we said. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep track of everything that's happening, but it's now starting to calm down again as we kind of lean in. We're, what, about 12 days away, is it, from the draft or something like that? Or a week, just, is it? I think it's a week. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, yeah. Well, I suppose we'll give you that question. Who's uh, are Arizona going to take Kyler Murray number one? Yeah, it's going to probably dominate uh, the draft podcast. I'm, I don't think they should, so I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say someone's going to trade up to number one to take Kyler Murray instead. Interesting. And I think the Raiders. I was going to say, do you think it's going to be the Raiders? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then the Raiders then maybe trade uh, Carr to the Arizona Cardinals as part of that Ooh. deal. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know. Like, there's, the a, there's, a, there's a good streak because Carson Palmer was with the Raiders before he went out there and had success in Arizona. So there is a pipeline of those guys moving over. Not yeah. the worst idea in the world. But yeah, yeah uh, any other crack with yourself? Any plans for next week? Obviously, we're going on the sesh this weekend. But yeah, so besides the sesh uh, and the draft, which I think is next week, uh, otherwise just tipping away at work and uh, you know it's getting getting the feel a little bit like summer after. What mm. felt like the anti-summer so yeah. maybe start okay. thinking about what i'll be doing for the maybe go somewhere for the get some the sun get some vitamin uh get some vitamins into me yeah you're about to say get yourself a fill of vitamin d and then you know we're gonna make fun <laughs> like penises <laughs> <laughs> oh and you know like we we, we briefly skipped there but uh shout out to the kickers who did get signed on free agency jason myers chandler catanzaro and Bradley Penny, who's a punter, got to remember, got to keep those special teams people sweet, Connor. That's no, our, course, that's course. our edge, our, our unique selling point, isn't it? That's it, yeah. yeah. Well, well, we had a good discussion about long snappers, you know. So uh, that's grand. Um, but yeah, so I suppose that'll wrap it up for this week. Um, so as always, hit us up with questions online. We'll hit a few of those next week before the draft. Uh, but for now, it's bye for myself, bye from Fitz. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks very much for listening, and we will chat to you next week.